0: Hello and welcome to Pastor George's Bible study.
1: So by God's so by God's grace, we we will um, continue from where we stopped last week. We were looking at our what I would call the pathway of being a living sacrifice, and we're We looked at Romans chapter twelve, verse two. Or we started reading from verse one, but we're studying verse two, and I'll just read it down to verse three. Romans twelve, from verse two to verse three. It says, "And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. I will stop there. Last week, we examined the instruction. Do not be conformed to this world. And by God's grace, God, we were able to study. What does it mean to be conformed to this world? And I remember we went even further to look at what is the world? How does the Bible define this matter of the world? And I remember we looked at First John chapter 2 and we expounded on that instruction very clearly about not loving the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. And we're checking. So, and all this incorporates the instruction do not be conformed to this world if we will not be conformed to this world the wisdom god is giving us from his word is do not love this world because actually if you are going to be if you are not going to be conformed to this world or should I say, if you are going to be conformed to this world, you are going to love it first. You can't be conformed to something you hate. You will be making that. You'll be taking deliberate steps not to be conformed to that. But when you loves when you love something, it's going to be straightforward for you. It won't be. You, you notice, it's no struggle. You know you, you can you can you can you can see that people love a particular they have a passion and a love for something and what they will do is they will gladly spend time spend energy spend resources for what they love it's going to be easy for them to do and Pay, pay a lot and pay, you know. We, we were talking about, um, I can't remember. Yes. The other day, this was, sorry, this was some years ago actually. Um, We found out that there's this species of birds. I don't know if we can help. This species of birds that we went to see on our way to... I don't remember. I think we are going somewhere and they informed us that, oh, this species of birds are in Somerset.
0: Oh, what? The Starlings?
1: Exactly. The swarm of of Starlings. Exactly. And they had come to rest in a pond. And honestly, I was shocked. I thought the people would meet there where only people from Somerset. Guess what? People from across Europe came just to come and take photographs and watch the Stalins. Do, do you
0: know about that, um, Kevin or yes. John? No. These the murmurations, they call it, where they make shapes no. in the these forms yes. of birds and make real like shapes in the sky, and people can oh, watch. Goodness. Yeah, and they're trying to roost at night, and when they get up in the morning, usually when they come into to yes. in a place, they do a kind of aerial display.
1: Yes, for aerial yeah. formation. And then they yeah. do their fly pass.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in Israel, they, they, they do the same. Because in Israel, on the Sea of Galilee, because you've got a small thing, where you get birds from all over the world travel, travel uh, on the Sea of Galilee. So it's almost like the same type of thing, same type of area. Starling murmurations. Uh, yeah, basically you see lo- loads of flocks of starlings. I, I looked it up.
1: Sorry, Kevin, you were going to say something.
3: Yeah, it's about what you were saying earlier on, and, and I understand what you mean about, you know, you conform to what you love. But you also, people do conform to what they hate, they spend so much time railing against this world. Mm. They forget who created it.
2: Yes, there's 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 about four different Greek words for world. So the Greek word here is used as aeon, so which generally means this this age that we kind of live in. You have uh, the Greek word cosmos. You have mm-hmm. the Greek word uh, o, uh, o, uh, oikomia, and you have the Greek word uh, cos. Cos- cosmeticos. and I think there's a few other different uh, Greek words for world. Mm. The world, because you can have the world, the word world for as in like earth. I think yes, earth. yes. So, so yeah. So when it's referring to here, it's, it's literally just the age that we live in. Exactly. So that's so, what, that's what the Greek word means. The word the word Aeon.
1: So, so I I think we we were trying to establish it last week in ex- explaining it that. It's not the physical um, world. No. God was talking about in that sense. The law of God is trying to tell us to be aware of. Is not to love the system. Not to love the the um, the way the world does things. And in scripture. Now, define for us what was in the world. Let's maybe we should look at that scripture in 1st John. 1st John chapter 2, verse 15. Just as a short recap before more. move 1st John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father but of this world. Verse 17. And the world is passing away and the lust of it for he who does the will of God abides forever. You will see that there's a big link between this scripture we just read and Romans chapter 12 that we just read where the Bible was saying be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you can prove, you can confirm the perfect will of God. But we will get there. We will discuss it when we get there. I just thought it's interesting that the love for this world, or should I say, not loving this world, but being transformed, leads you, being transformed by the renewal of your mind, leads you to the will of God.
2: There's a different Greek word used for world here. The, the word is cosmos, which generally means the same thing as the word aeon. So the Greek word cosmos.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's that's it. If you look at the Greek,
1: so so when when the Bible is saying, "Do not love the world or the things that are in the world," is what is God trying to define there for us? And I, that's why, yes,
2: I would say it's more like the world system that we live in. I,
1: exactly,
2: I mean, we, we want to be our mind on on like eternal things,
1: mm.
2: as it says in the Bible: "Set your mind on things above and not on things below." So that's yes. that that's what I kinda of tend to think when I can tend to think the world the the actual it, it doesn't mean creation. I mean like when we're referring to the Starlings, it's not like the physical world that
1: we no, live in. No.
2: The, the, the more the pot the politics of this world that we live in, the, the it, it, world Yeah, almost like the celebrity kind of aspect of this.
1: The, Exactly. The way of, you know, it it has been engrossed even in the way of life. Yeah. The thinking is all based on, look at how the Bible defined this. It says, you know, and when the Bible said, anyone, it says, um, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, it's not enough to just pause there. God, in his mercy, went ahead to explain what is in the world that you should not love. And he talked about those three things. It says all that is in the world, all that's in the world, is these three things. loss of the flesh, loss of the eyes, pride of life. That, and we talked about it last time, that is the pillar on which the world system is built upon. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, those three things, was the attraction that made Eve eat that fruit. Look at what the Bible said. It said it, it was good to behold. The fruit was good to behold. Lost of the eyes. Isn't it? Maybe, maybe, let me just, let so see we can... Uh, Genesis 3, yeah, Kevin has posted a question, we'll look at it, sure. Genesis 3, verse um, 6. So this was during the conversation, after the conversation, the devil, this happened, was having with Eve. She said, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, Lost of the flesh. So that it was pleasant to the eyes. Lost of the eyes. And a tree. Desirable to make one wise. pride of life. So those three things. Those three things that are in the world. The lost of the flesh, what will make you, or make your, or what suits your body. At times, you don't want to stress yourself. You just know that, oh, this is um, food that will benefit me. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I need to pamper myself. So what's the pampering? They talk about, um, well, I just, I just, There's nothing wrong with being in the sun. You understand? There's nothing wrong with it. You want to get vitamin D to your body so that you can can stay healthy. Because apparently, in the UK at the moment, almost all of us are deficient of vitamin D. So there's nothing wrong in being in the sun. But you see, people derive pleasure from being in the sun from a pleasure point of view. I just want to have my skin tanned. <laughs> I need the golden color. I want it tanning You know, in my head, it's not vitamin D any longer. It is, they want a different color. And I see how people pride in it when they come back from holiday. Oh, wow! You look golden! <laughs> you are, you, you look, you look, you look good, and and, and the one is part of the, the mark of holiday. If your if you go on holiday and your skin is not tan, the question is oh, but what's wrong? You, 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 yeah. you didn't change color. Did you? Yes? Yeah,
0: yeah. You went to Antarctica.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Staycation. Staycation,
2: exactly. But you can actually get a suntan from the snow because, in the if you go to Antarctica or places like that, because the sun reflects, you can actually get suntan. It, I don't...
3: You tend to have a lot of clothes on though, so it doesn't go <laughs> doesn't go with, uh...
1: You just see the eyes. Oh, <laughs> so you know it, it. It's not about the. It's not about the the medicinal value of the sun. It's now about the that pleasurable aspect that I look goldy because I'm tanned.
3: To make everybody jealous, that's what it's for.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And you hear when they go, oh, oh, lovely skin, oh, you make me feel jealous. You know, in my head I'm thinking, this is no longer about vitamin D. (laughs) It's all about your skin tone and color. So, the loss of the flesh, one needs to be careful about it. Because, do you know, even in spiritual things, in in the spiritual environment, we might think it is a desire to see God move or a spiritual desire, but it's actually the loss of the flesh. What will make you feel good? It's not about that. And one needs to be careful. Because that feel-good sensation might not be God. It might just be your own selfish desire to feel good. Okay, I'll give you an example. You look at this meeting now. You know, yes, we are few today. Should I now not think that, ah, oh, this is not a few. If the platform was full and we had like 20, um, 30 people, you know, in your head, you will say yes. Bible study—that's good. People- you know, in my head, it's no longer you, there's no longer a a desire because you want to see God glorified in people's lives. You only want to see numbers. It's a feel-good factor, and one must be careful that a personal feel-good factor should not be translated as a spiritual desire that is glorifying God. That's what I'm trying to say. That even in the Christian environment and in the work of ministry, the lust of the flesh, feel-good factor, should not be translated as a passion to see God it might. It might not be. It might just be everything driven and it happens. I don't know if you, I mean, w- we watch some Christian um, um, home videos where, and they are just reflecting what happens. You hear pastors discuss among themselves. You say, oh, what's your congregation number? Oh, we're only we're only 20. Oh, well, I I, I, I pastor a, a church of 600, uh, and we are opening another branch soon. It's all, it's all, it's no longer about. God being glorified. It's about a feel-good factor because you pastor a church of 600. You understand? So all that is all driven by the world. The mentality of the world. And it happens. I don't know if I'm sure you've seen it. You go to some churches. Everything that is done there is based, you can find the same structure as if you find it in a um, departmental or a, a an international company. The same way of thinking. You say, oh, no, you can't talk to that person. Have you gotten permission from the archbishop before you talk to her? You know, oh, I want to see the pastor. Then you need to book an appointment, please. When you book the appointment, you fill a form. (laughs) You fill a form. State the reason why you want to see the man of God. And um, and if you are giving an offering, are you giving the, a prophet's offering today? Oh, you feel it in the form. <laughs> you know, they've suddenly made things official when it doesn't need to be in church. That is the way of the world. They create barriers. Why should, if I'm a pastor of a church, why should it be difficult for somebody to just walk up to me and say hello and greet me and we have fellowship?
3: Because my bodyguard's in the way.
1: <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Kevin. You've hit it, and your bodyguards. Yes. Mm-hmm. The so, angels of heaven are not big enough to protect you. You need <laughs> bodyguards.
3: <laughs> yes. So, so when I, I mean, when I first became a Christian, and I, I, I wrote about two or three marketing plans for the church I was in. Yeah. What else did I do? I, I used. I tried to use all my business skills. Yes, in order do. to make it more successful, yes. Um, but that aside, the other thing was also is that, um, you know, laying up treasure in heaven. There's certainly scriptures that make it sound like if there's any flesh in it, you mm-hmm. will not lay up any treasure in heaven. And I, I knew that there was always flesh in it. You know, and you were, you know, you wanted it to be successful so that you would look like you're a good Christian or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you'd want it to be successful just because you want it to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the measures are man's measures, not God's measures. All these things. And I almost almost gave up, actually. So what's the point? If everything I do is going to fall short of the glory of God and it's going to just go in the bin with everything else, then what's the point? So there's, I mean, I'm not, I'm, well, I'm still not really sure what the position is on that because it still feels like it could be that. But I'm, I'm assuming it's not, and get on with doing what I can to serve the Lord. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it feels like Scripture says, really, you know, if there's any flesh in it, forget it.
1: Yes.
0: There's a passage that, that talks about, that says every man's work will be tested by fire, and mm. what is good will remain. So, like you said, there's no way we can be 100% pure, Um, but within that there will be you know the motives of our hearts will be tested and um, you know we're sincere and say well I don't want to be proud about this Lord you know but I can't help feeling a bit proud but you see my heart you know that sort of thing God is saying um, he knows he made us didn't he and so he knows what we're capable of so there'll Mm -hmm. be a time will come when all that will be tested and what is not right burnt off and you get it, you know, solid gold or little nuggets or whatever, you know, however your <laughs> motives are. Um, I can't remember where that passage is. It's in
1: First Corinthians chapter three. When um, Paul was trying to explain to the Corinthian church about our works. So if you go to first Corinthians three from verse 10. You know, at the beginning, he was talking about um, he couldn't talk to them as spiritual but as canal because there was strife and division in the church. And then in verse 10, he was saying, according to the grace of God, which is given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another one builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day we declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. So, the Bible is telling us there about our work being tested. But you see, what Kevin has talked about is very crucial. And that's why we cannot be talking about do not be conformed to this world and not look at the solution to not being conformed, which is we need to be transformed in the renewal of our mind. There needs to be a transformation so that there will not be a conformation to the world. If we do not, if we are not transformed, there will be a confirmation. So I'll give you a practical example, which Kevin has raised. If we are doing God's work, we desire that the work will be fruitful. And I know in the scriptures, God is a God of growth. God is a God of multiplication. So in whatever work we are doing, because it's God's work, God is the one in charge of the fruit that comes out of it. In fact, this same scripture we just read in First Corinthians, remember, Paul was saying very clearly that um, in verse 5, when he was trying to encourage the brethren not to look at the servant of God, he said, I'm lying up behind them. Look at this. It's in verse 5. He said, Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? Remember, there was a division in the Corinthian church. And they they were divided along the lines of the Christian leaders. So Paul went ahead to explain. He said, Who is Paul in verse 5? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave each one. Do you see? It is God who is in charge of the growth and the fruit. All God demands of us is be faithful. Look at what he said in verse 6. He says, I Paul planted faithfulness. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So the that he who plants is anything. So what is Paul saying there? Actually, I am nothing. because I planted doesn't mean I'm something. I am actually nothing. No the one who waters. So Apollos is also nothing. but God who gives the increase? God is only passing through me and you to do his work. He is actually the owner and the, and the administrator of the work. We are only vessels through which he passes through. The increase, the fruitfulness, the growth in the work is first of all God's responsibility. So when Kevin was trying to lay that example, that oh, we want to see success in what in whatever we are doing. The question is: whose success? Is it your own or God's? That's the issue. And even if it is yes, we know it's God's success. And if God chooses to bless it and it increases, I must always carry that mentality. The same way Paul carried the mentality. Yeah, I was trying to encourage the brethren that we are nothing. I might have I might have planted, but I'm actually nothing. Apollos might have watered, he's actually nothing. He they are only. Servants through whom God moved to do his work. So when the Bible says, as the Lord gave each one. So if God does not give me, I have nothing. He's the one who should be the focus. He's the one who owns the fruits. Is the one who should be glorified, not me. So that's why as God helps us, there ought to be, An internal transformation of our hearts and minds. So that even if you become a billionaire and God blesses you with billions, your heart will not go away. It will not matter to you because it's actually God's billions. And you want to use it to please him. You will discover that you will not spend the money the way an earthly billionaire who doesn't know the Lord will spend it. because you are, you, you are conscious that you are accountable to the owner of the billions. A rich man once said, and it, it touched me when he said it, he said, <laughs> once you're a Christian and you have money, and you have a lot of money, there has to be an understanding in your heart that actually, God is only passing the money through you. Yes,
3: Kevin. We were studying Ananias and Sapphira the other the other week, and uh, that doesn't look quite what you just said. I mean, I do agree with what you just said, but that doesn't look quite because he said it was yours. You didn't have to give it. Yes, you know. know, um, So what do you
1: got? Yes. How do we marry both? Yes. Actually. In the context of what you know, if you look at that scripture, um, the the problem they had was that they lied. So, well, it
3: was, but it, but, but it, I agree, I agree. But they, it was theirs; they yes. didn't need to sell it in the first place. Whereas, if it all belongs to God, then it all belongs to God, and, and we're just stewards. We should do with it doesn't belong to us. Then, which contradicts what we what yes we all but, but, uh,
1: Yes, but actually. Um, you know, it's you know, in answer to that, I just want to because before we go to Ananias and Safra in chapter five, the Bible specifically told us brethren had lands and sold it.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And as you read that, you now go into the story of another couple who had land and then they sold it. And it's obvious to me even from that, that actually there was no direction from God for them to sell it. Mm -hmm. They just sold it so that they too, I'm just, I mean, this is my own thinking around the scripture, that they wanted to also feel among. They wanted to have a badge Mm -hmm. that yes, Mm -hmm. Ananias and Safiya, we are good people. We have money and we can give it and we are free to give it. It's, the, it's, it's not that they sold it, that was, for me, it's not that they, they, they sold it and brought the money. It's that it was all a facade. Mm-hmm. It was all based on a lie. There was no genuineness. Yes, you know, uh, Peter said, you had the liberty to do what you wanted to do. But the issue is that when you do whatever you want to do, you shouldn't do it on a lie. You know, we will not. They will still be alive if they didn't sell that property. Mm-hmm. They would have still been alive, but they everything they they sold it with the with the intention to deceive everybody. Mm-hmm. They wanted to
3: look good in front of their peers.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that's why, you know, this issue of transformation. If if we are not uh, transformed in the renewal of our mind. Will we carry worldly tendencies into church and do a lot of work, even work of God, with worldly understanding and thinking. Because it's all about glorifying yourself. Look at what that scripture says. All that is in the world. Those three things will now drive the work of God that one is doing. It shouldn't be. That's why it's important that I keep a a check on my heart. Sorry, Sister Better, I didn't welcome you. We are looking at Romans chapter 12. We are studying verse 2 and 3.
0: Thank you.
3: Amongst others.
1: (laughs) Amongst others, (laughs) yeah. Amongst other scriptures, exactly. You know, so it's quite um, a a a challenge, you know, even for us as Christians, that when the scripture is telling us, "Do not be conformed to this world," it's because we are living in the world. We, that is the way we have been brought up to do things. Mm.
3: So I, I mean, I don't know how to put this in a few words, but the, um. The, you know what I said about that we that we hate the ways of the world. We can hate the ways of the world so much is that all we ever do is think about the ways of the world. So things like um, there are many churches that I've sort of come through really I suppose because I'm more in that area mm-hmm. is they are very very prejudiced against rich people. Very, very they judge them, they condemn them, they you cannot believe that they'll ever get you know through the eye of an needle, etc. <laughs> Right. And I presume there's other churches where they're, they're a bit richer than that. And mm. they they don't like very much having poor people because they, you know, yeah. the parasyical thing is saying, yeah, well, yeah. you know, we're rich because we're godly. Yeah. You know, um, and so they look down on the poor in, in that yeah. way, maybe. And there's some very rich people, who are very nice Christians who give a lot of money away and, and yeah. or whatever it is, hope you know, live a little bit. What I'm saying here is is that the church is just full of not. Um, is it Philippine, Philippians four six? You know the thing about yeah. think on these things, things that are pure, things that mm. are good. Mm. You know we spend too much time pointing the finger.
1: Exactly, I understand. And not and not. Um, that's why you know I I said um, we can't talk about. Don't be conform to this world without talking about the transformation of our own hearts. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: You know, they they go together. And like you rightly said, if I just sit down and say, love down the world," is terrible, things are in the world, terrible, you know, and I'm not pointing at what Jesus came to do, to actually show us the way to live life to please him even in this world. It's, it's glorious to note that when we give our lives to God, we didn't go to heaven that day. God wants us to be light, even in
3: this world. We used to have a position on justice. Mm. Okay, justice. God's a righteous judge. on yeah. justice. Now, there's this position called social justice, which is basically a political stance. <laughs>
1: yes.
3: But it's it's rife in the church.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Social,
3: social, justice. Justice, social justice.
1: Social
3: justice. It's,
1: you know, you know like you've rightly pointed out, it's another, it's another attempt of the world influenced in the church. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as the Lord will help us, some of these things, like you've talked about, attitude towards rich people. I mean we the Bible is rife with rich people. Mm-hmm. With rich people who love the Lord, who use their influence, their ability, their time. You know, the even in scripture, we saw how Paul was telling Timothy to talk and instruct rich people. He didn't say stop being rich. He said and, give them these instructions. And it's the same thing. Abraham was massively rich. But we saw what he used his riches and influence to do. You know, you you have people who who were rich. And look at Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. Was it some poor old lady and group of people that went to bring his influential people, mm-hmm. men of like we say in, uh, in our old times, timber and caliber. <laughs> they were the ones that used their influence. Joseph of Arimathea went and asked for Jesus' body. If Peter had tried it or John, <laughs> the beloved, and gone to Paris and said, excuse me, <laughs> We want his body now. Excuse me. What do you think Pilate would have done?
0: Crucified
1: them too. <laughs> yes. So you yeah, are one of his followers. Okay. Please, can you bring up another uh, cross? Let's add this ones to the to the number. But we saw how Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus, he went, and you can see how. what he did. He went and buried... I mean, the Bible did not mention it specifically, but um, for him to go and bury Jesus in a sepulchre where nobody had been laid, means it was actually his own sepulchre, his own tomb. You can see where his heart is. So what is he telling... What is he indirectly telling... um, his family. If I die, bury me anywhere. My Lord has taken my place. What a wonderful symbolic um, gesture from a rich man who was following Jesus. From an influential person who was following Jesus. He was indirectly saying, telling his wife and children, please, my Lord has been laid in my own sepulcher. If I drop down now, it doesn't matter. Bury me (laughs) anywhere. My Lord has taken over my whole sepulchre. That's glorious. You know, and we also have the poor widow who Jesus watched how she gave her offering. You see, so the, the poor and the rich, there's a place for them. There is. So for somebody to to is like like we said, it's the way of the world. The, the world thinks in a different way. That's why you have, um, you know, what's the difference between in politics? They said people are left leaning and people are right leaning. Do you, you understand that terminology? Where people say, "Oh, I'm 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 a lefty." So the, left, the left-leaning people are those who are more into social communism, isn't it? That's the ticket on which um, the Labour Party was running under Jeremy Kobe. They are lefties. And then those who are full for capital and, um, and money, um, enterprise and all that, are the rights, are people on the right side. It's interesting. But you see, that's the way the world divides itself. But for the Christian, we cannot adopt one side or the other. We should only follow instructions and teachings in scripture. Because that's the mind of God for us. You know, So it's, it's quite crucial that, you know, As we see these things in the world, the question we should be asking is, oh Lord, so how can I be transformed? On which basis can I be transformed? That's the thing we should should concentrate on as well. Of course, there's a question there. You know, if you go back to that Romans 12, it says... Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I just thought it's good we discussed that. How can we be transformed by the renewing of the mind? In what practical terms? Abigail, you are saying something. I was just saying that um, I was wondering if we answered Kevin's question from earlier about um, John 3.16. Um, oh, yes. Uh, thank you very much for reminding. Okay. I didn't, we didn't answer Yes. So, what can we say about John 3.16? So, in John 3.16, it, it does use
2: the same word, uh, cosmos. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, it says
1: which world is being used there?
2: Cosmos. So, the word the Greek word cosmos.
1: So, God loves the world as in me. Yeah. This Isn't this. it? Yeah. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So, who is He giving His life for?
2: For everyone in this world just, just everybody in this world yeah there's no one that he's not giving his life or his for. Yes. he's given yes
1: Is is the love for his for me that or uh, for all of us that's why he gave his only begotten son
3: sorry how does that how does that what's the, the greek the greek word is cosmos yes and you said that that means, what sort of, that means?
2: That means the people in this world. So people in the world.
3: Cosmos means the people in the world.
2: It, it can be that, but the, it's the world system. So the world system, so God loves everyone in this world.
1: So. And the world
3: system? And
1: the, and no, um, that, God, God will not love the world system. God will love me. God yeah. did not die for the world system. He so died for the
2: people, the people in this world. He died for... Yeah, so
3: I mean, I believe that, and that's what we. But the, yeah. but the word doesn't, the word doesn't sound right. Look, though, but-
1: no, I thought cosmos was the physical. Inibus. Yes, exactly. The word the word the, there's another Greek word for the
2: physical world, but that that world's cosmos. It, it it generally just generally just does mean like the world system like a system. So 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 yeah so. See, so, yeah, that's the, there's nothing wrong in that translation of just just the world as in as in the people in the world. So,
0: yeah cosmos probably has a broad broader definition. Yes, does, includes, you
2: know, it can be this. Yeah, yeah, it can be but because we don't more have one thing. Uh, I haven't looked at it. If I wanted to do a real search, I could do. There's a Persos Greek search that I can actually look it up in other Greek literature
1: mm.
2: and actually find... Um... From my
1: ordinary Oxford language <laughs> definition here, yeah. cosmos yeah. is the universe seen as a well-ordered whole.
2: Yes, that's Pardon. that's what it says in the Strong's.
1: Yes. But,
2: uh, there's
1: this search. Which and I mean. some people were asking, how can you define cosmos in simple terms? <laughs> don't complicate it. It said... It simply means universe. <laughs> so yeah, that's the harmonious orderly universe.
3: I mean, the, the one of the things is is that this whole universe was created for you and me, and all the rest of us. It yes. wouldn't be here if it wasn't for us, because yes. he wouldn't need it. Mm. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have done it because he, he was a bit bored on a Thursday. He just want
1: that to yeah.
3: And uh, he built it for us so that mm. we could live this life, this age, even in that mm. sense because there's a purpose for that as well um so you could you could if you if you think of the cosmos as being there for us then it's for us but um it's stretching it a bit i think yeah Um, i mean i mean strong's strong's um concordance uh many people i know use it i'm not sure he was a believer have you heard Dominic have you heard I heard I, I heard
2: I really don't know about the thing but the thing is it's a useful thing to actually work out because essentially just the Greek words the different Greek words in the actual text so so yeah it, it does, But it, sometimes it's, it's reverse engineered isn't it, it is, so it depending is. on what
3: you think and where you see it used you can say well it can mean this and it can mean that because mm-hmm. I want it to mean that <laughs>
2: No, but there's some ways where you can't get around like the meaning of this. It is useful to know, but cause mm. uh, you, um, you have... Uh, I'm using... At the moment, there's a search tool that I've just put up online called Persis Search. And that that kind of search uh, kind of helps with the fact of just... Uh, if you want to look it up in like, like, like Herodotus to see whether it has the same usage, I'm just looking at different different uses of that term, it would take me hours to do that because it's like
3: it's okay, we can wait yeah, so
2: oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean in answering to, in answering that question, the world, God was friend Jesus was praying to was yeah, us you know, so it is us he gave his life for, yes in that sense, because actually, we we make up the world. But the love of the world, God is, or the scriptures is warning us against. Yeah. It's what we've mentioned, all those three things. And that's why, you see, that's why I love scripture. Because you will always see God taking the next step to explain what he means. So that in your heart, there's no confusion. Right. No. So that's why I said, for all that is in the world, is all those three things. Yes. Because, okay, you start a company now. Hmm? You start a company and maybe your company is involved in manufacturing computers, for instance. It's not, it's not the manufacture of computers that's the issue. The problem is, when you base your company... And you're, you make your decisions based on those three things, loss of the eyes, loss of the flesh, pride of life. You are doing it engineered and driven by those three parameters. That's the problem. It's not the company that is the problem. It's not the, it's not the, the sale of the product that is the problem. In that company, you hire people. You will manage people's finances. You know, you will do all that. But it should be done based as a Christian on scriptural principles. And there are scriptural principles that you can draw from, that you can use to run a company in this world based on principles of the word of God.
2: I think it was at C.S. Lewis or something so he was talking about that, that if you have a person who builds a cathedral, he should just build a cathedral and actually forget what he's done and actually and actually concentrate on the stuff but he also says that those that are the, the earthly might like like those that are heavenly minded, tend to build stuff here on the earth because they know this it was one of the uh, like a quote from c.s lewis on regarding mm. like like those that are focused on heaven they tend to build a lot on
3: I like what they say about Abraham, that he, he, he made a nomad because he was waiting for the heavenly city.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, so it, exactly. It, that, that's an exact practical. Oh, thank you, Kevin, for raising that, because that shows us the transformation that should be taking place. You see, Abraham did not build tents. Sorry, he didn't build a building and it's not as if building a building was the problem that's not the issue it was where his heart was he lived as a sojourner because his true home for him was heaven so as a symbol no need to build any physical structure yeah that will keep your heart here
2: this is this is what says lewis says if you read history you find that the christians who did most for this present world were those who thought most of the next is Christians that have largely ceased to think of the other world that that have become so um, ineffective in this aim at heaven you'll get earth thrown in aim at earth and you'll get neither so that was, oh. that, That's
3: a question C.S. Lewis yes. Which is a rework of if you if you you know if you care for this life you will lose it and if you yeah up this life you will gain it. it's a similar
1: similar concept so I think we'll stop here, but the prayer point. Come and join Pastor George's Bible study at 8 p.m.